it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Now, from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. It is Friday, January 6, 2023. Happy Friday and welcome to the Guy Benson Show from New York City today and on Monday. I am Guy Benson, host of this program, Fox News contributor and political editor at townhall.com. In my Fox News contributor duties, by the way, I'm in New York to co-host The Big Show tomorrow and Sunday, 5 p.m. Eastern on Fox News Channel, plus some TV coming up next week as well that we'll tell you about later, but hope that you'll tune in over the weekend. GuyBensonShow.com is our website here at the radio show, GuyBensonShow.com. Podcast always free every day on demand. If you can't listen between 3 and 6 p.m. Eastern, which is when we air live, you've got lots of options. GuyBensonShow.com, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at GuyBensonShow, Twitter and Instagram. Here's our lineup today. Jimmy Fallon here in studio an hour from now. That should be fun. The host of Fox Across America on Fox News Radio. He'll be here. We will be BSing together about who knows what. You want to hear that. Tom Homan, former acting director of ICE, will be here discussing and previewing the president's trip down to the border finally. And this new tweak of immigration policy, what difference is that going to make? We will ask Tom Homan. And Fridays with Kat, Kat Timp in the house coming up in our final hour just after 5 p.m. Eastern. Fox News alert. There's movement. In the Speaker's race in the House of Representatives, some significant developments today. There have been two ballots so far today. So 13 in total. The news that hasn't changed is that there is still no Speaker of the House. All 13 of these ballots have failed so far. The 14th ballot, which will come at some point, will make this speaker's race and the balloting therein the fifth longest in U.S. history. So it's one for the record books, one for the history books, but also it's not the longest ever. It's not even close, by the way. Which is why I have not been pulling my hair out, setting myself on fire like this is a huge crisis or emergency. I've said what I've said. I've expressed my concerns my analysis on the dynamics, some of my frustrations, but it looks like this thing might get resolved in relatively short order, maybe. But still, fifth longest ever is not nothing. 13 ballots and counting. But here's the movement if you are a Kevin McCarthy fan or just someone who wants this to be over. The news today was on the 12th ballot, Kevin McCarthy gained... 13 votes. Then there was a 13th ballot. All in all, he has gained 15 total flips. Right, All the people who've been voting for McCarthy all along stayed in line. They never fell off. 
one woman, one of the Republicans from Indiana, had switched from McCarthy to present. She's back with McCarthy now. And of the 20 others, the real holdouts, those 20, all but six are now on Team McCarthy. After a series of concessions were apparently, in principle, agreed to, which was announced earlier. Chip Roy of Texas leading those conversations and extracting those concessions along with a few others. And because those concessions have been promised, a good number of the holdouts have switched over to Kevin McCarthy. So I've got all this math scribbled on the back of a loose-leaf paper here. Actually, it's on the back of my rundown. I want to make sure that I get this all right. It's so many moving parts. But after 13 ballots, the score was McCarthy 214. So that's another change today. All the way up through 11 ballots, Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat, had the highest vote total because there were that many holdouts from McCarthy. Now, as of today, for the first time, and then again on the 13th ballot, 12 and 13, McCarthy came in first place. So McCarthy 214, Jeffries 212, he's been at 212 all along. I guess one Democrat missed a vote on round 12, but they've been consistent. And then the number of holdouts is down to six. Now, if you do some quick back-of-the-envelope math yourself, you might say, well, hang on, that doesn't add up to the 230, or rather the 434 House total. There's one member who passed away. A Democrat, I believe, in Virginia in a safe district. They'll have a special election. They'll fill that seat. It'll be a Democratic seat. But for now, until that happens, and for the purposes of the speaker election, the Democrats control 212. The Republicans control 222. So there's two missing from that column. Let me explain what's happening there. And I can't believe that we're actually delving into, like, the personal calendars of individual members, but this is what it's come to. Ken Buck is a conservative Republican, pro-McCarthy, from Colorado. He had an important medical issue, doctor's appointment back home, so he flew home for that appointment. The other one, Wesley Hunt, Republican from Texas, his wife apparently just gave birth in the last, I think, 24 hours. So he flew home to be with his wife. So those two guys, one from Colorado, one from Texas, both Republicans, both for McCarthy, have been absent today so far, which has actually hurt McCarthy's overall math because those are two pro-McCarthy tallies that are off the board because they're not physically present. And the Republicans aren't doing proxy voting. They've abandoned that, which I think is the right call. I think the Democrats absolutely abused it. I understood it for a while with COVID, although it was debatable even at the time. The Senate never did it. But then they abused it for much longer than it was necessary. And seeing all these Democrats back in the chamber, packed in there, laughing, hugging, kissing each other, the mailing it in of their votes for the last year and a half at least has been a joke. The Republicans rightly pulled the plug on that and said, no, we're going back to the way it's supposed to be. You vote, you show up for work. But because of that, it's created this issue. The update on that front is as follows. Ken Buck has had his appointment and he's on his way back to D.C. and is supposed to be back in the chamber. We're hearing by this evening. 
Do you think in a million years when he made that doctor's appointment and the timing of it, he ever thought it would be a problem? He's like, oh, yeah, we come back Tuesday. Let's have the doctor's appointment Thursday or Friday. It'll be fine. Well, so he's on his way back to D.C. He'll be there. So that'll be another vote from McCarthy. That'd be like 215 for McCarthy. And then Wesley Hunt, I saw NBC is reporting, he's going to come back this evening as well. So that would then be 216. The magic number, if all the members are there, all 434 right now, if they're all there, the magic number, you need an outright majority, it is 218. Kevin McCarthy would be two votes short of what he needs. Now, who are the ongoing holdouts? Because a bunch of them, 15 of them, I guess 14 plus the present vote, have flipped over to McCarthy. They're satisfied with the deal that Chip Roy and others put together. That I discussed some of the contours of here yesterday during the opening of the show. I think some of it is fine. I think some of it might come back to bite the Republicans, honestly. But I think the McCarthy people are just looking at the first task right in front of them, which is get a speakership and get the Congress sworn in. And they'll figure the rest of it out later. I think there might be some careful what you wish for after effects of this. We'll see. But the remaining six are Biggs, Boebert, Crane, Gates, Good, and Rosendale. So you have to figure out how you can get two of those six. If, God willing, Hunt and Buck get back this evening. So the point is, it might be a while. Maybe they'll adjourn at some point here, adjourn for a couple hours, then reconvene when everyone's back in town and use those hours to try to prod and plead with two of these six to change. It seems like Biggs... Gates, good. Those three are just hardcore never, Kevin. They're not going to do it. But what's interesting is there are reports that now the McCarthy team is back in touch with former President Trump. Remember, Trump had come out with this guns blazing, double down endorsement of Kevin McCarthy a few days ago, urging all the holdout members to change. None of them did. Not a single vote moved over the course of a couple days. But now that it's only a small handful, now that you only need to get two, you wonder if Trump picking up the phone and talking to a couple of these guys, gals, I think Boebert's the last female holdout. But if if Trump can help twist arms, sticks, carrots, that sort of thing, maybe that could help do the trick. Because I think... A lot of the heavy lifting has now happened. You were at 20. Now you're down to six. You can lose. You can afford to lose four and barely get the gavel. Pressuring two people and bringing all sorts of positive and negative reinforcement there to get two people seems doable. McCarthy walked into the Capitol today saying, we're going to shock people. We've got big progress coming. And I said on social media, he better be right. They better make some real progress today, because if they don't, that will be even more humiliation for him. And it could prove fatal. Right. At some point, if he was not making real progress, they're going to be stuck. And he was going to have, I think, an intractable problem. 
But there has been progress. And it looks more and more likely like Kevin McCarthy will become the next Speaker of the House. But it's not done yet. And obviously, if it's down to just six people, these are some hardcore folks. What, if anything, will it take to get them on board? I don't know. But you better believe they are working very hard. And some of the former holdouts can now work over their colleagues as well. It's not just the pro-McCarthy people who've always been pro-McCarthy. Now you've got other people who are like, look, I was with you for all these reasons, but look at why I changed my mind. Maybe that makes a dent. They only need two more. That's the math as we come on the air on this Friday, a week of high drama in Washington, D.C. Let me give you the phone number here at the show because I have a question for you about all of this. First call topic of the new year, 833-456-1300, 833-456-1300, toll free. I will lay out my question right after this break, then take some of your calls. Just getting started. Happy Friday. It's the Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. I'm Guy Benson. We are back. Thank you for listening. All right, so here's the latest. In fact, let's let's bring you a Fox News alert just to... Get you completely up to speed. They've officially gaveled out the 13th ballot. Same exact numbers that I told you. 214 McCarthy, 212 Jeffries, and six holdouts. They are now voting to adjourn the chamber until 10 p.m. Eastern time. So for the next six and a half hours. That vote is looking like it's going to be a party line vote. It looks like in all likelihood the Republicans will succeed in getting this motion to adjourn. Get some of those guys back into town. Ken Buck, Wesley Hunt, we told you about that last segment, and then spend the next few hours working on the six holdouts. So if the motion to adjourn fails for some reason, we'll let you know, but it looks like it's on track to succeed. Party lines. Okay. With that being said, let me repeat the phone number here at the show. 833-456-1300. 833-456-1300. Toll-free number, your connection here to the program. This is my question to all of you. You've been watching this play out for the week. We've been covering it every hour of every show since we got back on Tuesday. It has been dramatic. It's been a saga. There were 20, 21 holdouts. Now there's only six. They need two votes in all likelihood tonight. When they reconvene after 10 o'clock, they need two more votes. At this point, where is your head on all of this? I would imagine some of you were never supportive of the holdouts. It's like, hey, the Republicans won the House. It's a slim majority. The Democrats had a similar slim majority. The reason they were successful for the last two years, from their perspective, not from mine, not successful for the country in my view, but in terms of their agenda, they were successful because they stuck together. So there were probably a lot of you out there saying, this is ridiculous, this is silly. Whatever this might quote-unquote achieve, it's not worth it. Get in line and let's get the Republican majority rolling. That was one group. 
There might be another group that was sympathetic to what the holdouts were doing. Hey, maybe they need to they need to shake some things up. They need to change how some things work in the House of Representatives. Maybe it's worth it if they get something. Well, now they've gotten enough to get 15 flips. Then there might be another group saying, keep holding out. It can't be Kevin McCarthy for whatever reason, or try to get more concessions. I don't know. So this is my question for all of you, and I'm going to go to your phone calls as soon as we come back in the next segment, and the phone lines are already lighting up. If the House adjourns, they're going to come back at 10 o'clock p.m. and have another vote, round 14. What is your message for these holdouts at this point? If you could speak directly to these six Republican congresspeople and give them your message, what is it? Biggs, Boebert, Crane, Gates, Good, Rosendale. Two of them need to flip. Do you want them to get in line at this point? Did you always want them to get in line? Is it now time? Is it finally time? You've made your point, whatever. Or do you want them to hold the line? Keep fighting. Keep objecting. Keep voting no. Get in line or hold the line What's your message to these six? What would you say to them? 833-456-1300. 833-456-1300. Was this always too much? Has this gone on long enough? Or does it need to continue to go on? Like, how many of you guys are truly, like, never, never ever Kevin McCarthy? Is that how you feel? Do you think that the stand has been made, the concessions have been extracted, and now this whole show needs to come to an end? Let's get down to business. How are you feeling about this? I think there's probably some differing opinions out there within this audience. You have a sense of where I'm coming from. I haven't been like hardcore like some other people on this, but I have my general sense of it, but I've been talking about it for four days. It's your turn now. It's your turn to give your opinion. What is your message to the remaining six holdouts? 833-456-1300. Your calls straight ahead on The Guy Benson Show on this Friday. Stay with us. Looking forward to it. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. It's the Guy Benson Show. Welcome back from New York City. GuyBensonShow.com is our website. Podcast is free every day. Our phone number, 833-456-1300. That's our toll-free telephone number here. 833-456-1300. We will get to your calls here in just a second. But first, Fox News alert. There are now a majority of votes in favor of adjournment. 
So if you're just joining us, the significance of that is the Republicans are now two votes short of Kevin McCarthy becoming speaker. If these two other guys get back into town tonight, as expected. So they've got now a little over six hours to convince two of the six holdouts to flip to McCarthy to get the other guys, one from Colorado, one from Texas, back into town. So it appears that the adjournment vote has succeeded, meaning that the House will go out of session. They'll adjourn until 10 p.m. Eastern. So then it's all in on these half dozen Republicans, two of which need to switch. The rest of them already have from that holdout group. And the question that I pose to all of you, because I have talked myself blue about this issue now for four days, it's your turn. What is your message to these holdout members? Did you never support them? And you're sick of it? Do you feel like they've made their point and now it's time to fall in line and get this thing done and get the ball rolling in the House majority? Or do you want to see them keep fighting and hold out even longer until I don't know what? We can ask you about that. 833-456-1300. Let's go to the phones. We will start on this Friday with Kathy calling from Florida. Kathy, welcome. Hey, Guy. Hey. Listen, uh, you know, Kevin was never my favorite, but if the deliberations that the Republicans have been having this week are going to better this Congress and better their work for the American people, then I'm okay with it. But at this time, it seems like the concessions have been made and these last two holdouts need to get in line and we need to get to work for the American people. All right, Kathy, good first call. 833-456-1300. That's Kathy in Florida. Let's go to Victor in New Jersey. Victor, you're up on the Guy Benson Show. They have to move on. They made their point, and they exposed the party. That's it. That's all I got to say. Have a good day. All right. Thanks, Victor. Succinct and to the point. 833-456-1300. So we've got a couple votes already for time to move on. 833-456-1300, what do you think? Let's see, Missouri, Jason is on the Guy Benson Show. Hi, Jason. Hello. Hey, I just hope they didn't do this for Trump, and that's all I'm going to say. There's a lot of us who voted for him twice and never again, and I just hope they didn't do this some sort of, you know, because Trump likes to back the winner, so everybody was flipping out the fact that he suddenly endorsed McCarthy. I mean, you're talking about Trump, who is a coward. He won't return to Twitter because he's afraid. And I'm sorry, but if they did this for Trump in any way or it's some sort of weird type of chaos or havoc just because of that, man, I seriously hope they didn't do it for him. But I do hope they got the concessions on the border and on budget. That's the most important part. All right, Jason. Appreciate the call. Sort of uh, whatever you're doing, don't do it for Trump. That's the message there from Jason, a two-time Trump voter, by the way. Interesting. 833-456-1300. 833-456-1300. What is your message to these holdouts? There are six of them left now. And I'll remind you, we can't actually have a House of Representatives. These guys aren't sworn in. None of them are sworn in yet. They can't do anything. No investigations, no committee meetings, no votes on legislation, nothing until there's a speaker. Is it time to make Kevin McCarthy speaker? Is it time to get two of these last six on board to get this, uh, to get this thing going? Or is McCarthy so flawed in your mind, that it's worth having this fight and blocking him indefinitely until I don't know what. Let us know. 833-456-1300. Let's go overseas to Linda. Linda, I assume listening online. What do you think? 
in? Hi. All right. So I say hold out, and I would like to explain why. Okay. Um, for one, I think what's it? Why can't we do a telethon? You know, why can't we do something like in the past? You know, where we just get the American people to say, hey. Let's find out actually what what's your idea. The reason why I'm kind of in between is McCarthy has the most money behind him, which is kind of capitalistic, but it also is lobby supported. And I like the fact that the Republicans aren't all in step like the Democrats are, which basically they vote as one person. It's kind of authoritarian. I kind of like seeing a show of democracy. I think that we need to actually appreciate it. And I think if they, if they explained it to the American people to say what it's all about, I think it'd be extremely positive, but they need to explain it. Well, I think that's been part of the problem, Linda. And and I will point out, and I think it's a fair point that you make, and thanks for your call and a different opinion than what we've heard so far. I think part of the issue too is when you say, well, the Democrats always vote in lockstep, uh, that is often true. It's often frustrating. The other thing is, though, that's how the House of Representatives works. I'm not saying that Republicans should just be a hive mind always. And you just vote yes, whatever leadership tells you. Definitely not. But if you want to have a very small majority actually do anything, you have to stick together. Or else, I mean, we're seeing it right now. We've seen it for four days. Imagine this, but on bills, on legislation, on spending, what have you. I think there's something to be said for not just emulating the Democrats and their whole top-down approach, and they've done a lot of damage, but you also have to understand like how power politics actually works. And Republicans can either play the game successfully or lose, right? I mean, that's basically it. That, that would be one of the counterpoints, Linda, but I appreciate that phone call. 833-456-1300. Let's see, Massachusetts Christian... You are on the line. Thanks for calling, Christian. To the holdouts, you can't always have your cake and eat it, too. So stop being a sticky wicket. Get your act together. Move on. Give McCarthy a chance. I think that that would be music to Kevin McCarthy's ears, and you might just get your wish tonight, Christian. We'll see. I mean, these are some stubborn folks. Some of them have their reasons. Some of them... Some of those reasons are a bit baffling to me, but I appreciate that. Thanks for calling. 833-456-1300. You've got six hours or so to convince two of these six people maybe to flip. Do you want them to flip? Have you seen enough of this? Is it time to get this majority underway, or are they doing the right thing, and are the flippers in the wrong? How are you feeling? A little vibe check on this Friday as the Republicans try to get their nominal House majority off the ground, which they have not done yet. 833-456-1300. BJ out in Lake Tahoe, beautiful area. BJ, thanks for calling. You bet. Thanks, Guy. I would want to remind the holdouts, who I empathize with quite a bit, by the way, um, that the Democrats vote together, get the power, and then fight about stuff after they get the power. Republicans always fight before they get the power and seize loss out of the jaws of victory so often. So I would say take the 90 percent that we got, the concessions now for these last couple, and move on and then try for the rest after. But they've done a great job of pushing McCarthy in the direction they want. Time to go, though. All right, BJ. Appreciate it. And that's, by the way, what you just said is what 15 flippers obviously internalized and voted that way today. 
So BJ right there just spoke for a majority of the holdouts from the last couple of days. 833-456-1300. Craig is listening in Atlanta, 106.3 Extra, our fine affiliate down there. Hi, Craig. Thanks for calling. I'll be short and sweet. I would only support McCarthy if he would agree to term limits. I'm tired of the corruption in Washington. We need term limits. And I know, Craig, actually a vote on term limits was one of the concessions being sought. The issue that I saw with that, Craig, and I appreciate the phone call, is Mark Levin, who uh, you might have heard of, Fox News colleague, the great one on the radio. Get off the phone, that guy. He knows a thing or two about the Constitution. I saw some tweets from him saying that in order to impose term limits, you would need a constitutional amendment. You can't just do it by statute. So obviously, Kevin McCarthy can say, I'm for term limits. You need to go through the entire constitutional amendment process, at least according to Levin, to get to that point. And let's be let's be perfectly frank. It's not going to happen right now. I mean, they, they can barely get a speaker elected, let alone amend the Constitution. So, I mean, if if that's your red line, then you might be holding that red line for a long time. And fair enough. I think there's a strong argument to be made for term limits. The way that you actually implement it, though, might be a little bit more complicated than anything that can be accomplished in behind closed doors meetings or concessions with, you know, these six folks. That's all I'm saying. Craig, appreciate it. 833-456-1300. That's our phone number here at The Guy Benson Show. What is your message here today, especially at this hour? There's been finally, thank God, some movement. Whether you love McCarthy or hate him, and I'm sort of ambivalent on him for a bunch of different reasons, it was just the same thing. I was calling it Groundhog Day on this show. It's different today. They're close. They're not done, but they're close. Have they made their point? Did you ever support the point in the first place? What do you think? What should they do? What is your message to these last few holdouts? Two of them are going to be needed to get a speaker in place, Kevin McCarthy, to get this show on the road. 833-456-1300. Jeremy is calling from South Dakota. Jeremy, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Uh, If I lived in one of their states, I'd be watching and... I'll tell you right now, I'm pissed, and they better be ready to be primaried. The holdouts? Yep. And why would you want to primary them? I'm not saying I disagree necessarily, but what would be your motivation to primary some of these folks? They have not even given the American people why they're holding out. They may be doing stuff behind closed doors, but they need to come up and say, hey, this is the reason or these are the reasons why we're not voting. All right. So, I mean, and Jeremy, your indignance, your frustration, your instinct to try to get these people basically out of the party is shared by an awful lot of conservatives and Republicans as well. And we've heard from a number of them, guests on this show, members of Congress. Tensions have really boiled over the last couple of days. So, I mean, we're, we're getting... An interesting cross-section here of conservatives across the spectrum here on this issue, which I find fascinating now that we've all been watching it and as political nerds witnessing this play out for four days. It might be almost over, but not necessarily. We don't know yet. It will depend on whether they convince a few of these folks, literally two of them, we think. What would you say to them? That's the question on the table. 
833-456-1300. More of your calls that continue to flow into the Guy Benson Show right after this very short break. Guy Benson will be right back. It's the Guy Benson Show, 833-456-1300. A lot of movement, a bunch of members breaking toward McCarthy today. Once a few others get back into town, they're going to be two votes shy. The House is officially adjourned until 10 p.m. Eastern. Will they have the votes to finally have a speaker and get this House of Representatives majority underway? We'll find out. What is your message to the holdouts? Two of those six need to switch sides at least. What do you think? 833-456-1300. I'm going to try to get to as many of your calls as possible. So sort of like a lightning round here. Are you ready? Here we go, gang. Greg in Connecticut, you're up. Hold, hold, hold. Why? Don't stop holding. Having McCarthy is no better than a Democrat. They might as well just keep holding to all the, the, uh, okay. all the people that pay off the Congress. So, yeah, hold the line. Hold the line. Hold the line, says Greg. McCarthy's basically a Democrat. Let's go to Scott outside Washington, D.C. Scott, you're up. Thanks. Um, I think, um, first of all, I'm absolutely 100 percent in support of of the process. I think we have affirmation here where uh, we're seeing democracy historically being made and proven. But now it's time for vindication, meaning it's time to get on with the people's business. So I respectfully um, uh, 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 am in favor of what has gone on to date, but I think it's time to move on. Uh, Substantial concessions have been made and will come to play in the coming months, but it's time to get on with the business. All right. Uh, I mean, fair. Fair point. Thanks for the call, Scott. 833-456-1300. Dan in California, what do you think? Hey, Guy. I appreciate the opportunity. You know, most of the conservative commentators have talked about the huge majority that they have voting for it, that that's the voice of the people. What they're missing is, I think, the approval rating of Congress, which, you know, in June was at 16 percent. Now it's at 22 percent. So it's it's understandable what these holdouts are doing because they're forcing what what to get that body back to uh, doing the people's business, the approval rating of the tank. Like, so let's let's get the concession. I think we've done a great job on that. There may be a few more concessions in line, but uh, I'm supportive of let's rally around where we are. But I think uh, when we think about the approval rating of our Congress. No, I, I get it. I mean, look, Congress is very unpopular. The question is, if this continues to drag on, does that help the approval rating of Congress and Republicans or hurt it? I mean, that would be one of the open questions. Thanks for the call. Rebecca, Austin, Texas. Hi, Rebecca. Hello, Guy. Thanks for having me on the show. Sure. You know, just hope that they're down in Texas. And and what's, what's your so, position here? Okay. So I honestly think that those holdouts should just turn over to McCarthy. And I don't really care if they support him because this is a man with conservative values. This is, And, you know, if they don't vote for a speaker soon, this is going to not the approval rating of Congress. And I remember AOC was saying that they would have to possibly turn to the Democratic Party. I mean, that's another thing, right? If you can't get some of these holdouts, then the negotiation might turn to the other party. It's not going to be better from a conservative perspective if that happens. I think we can probably agree on that. Thanks for the call, Rebecca. Ralph in Pennsylvania, Altoona, go. It's all become too personal. It's too personal. 
and they have a vendetta against McCarthy. Look, they're fundraising off of this. Yep. I, I think that is deplorable. Let's move on. Yeah, the fundraising is a point I hadn't made. I mean, if you're doing a principled stand, I understand you might want to, like, get some money into your coffers. I'm not sure it's a great look. Some of them are doing it. Not all of them. Most of them are not, but some of them are. And I'm glad you brought that up. Let's go to another Dan, this time in Texas. Dan in Texas, welcome to the show. Yeah, I agree with what they did. But, uh, yeah, it's time to move on. But I am I do not want the, the Republicans to disappoint me again. They need to go for the term limits. I know it's got to go through Constitution. They need to push, like, no more of these omnibus bills. If they need to shut down the government, it's time to start shutting down the government, not, not just spend more to keep it going. All right, Dan, appreciate it. Thanks for listening out there. David is in Florida. David, welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Uh, good afternoon. Yeah, I'm a Matt Getz voter in his district. I voted for him last time. He stood on national TV and gave his list. Okay, the term limits is a constitutional amendment. He can't get that. If he got everything else on his list, he needs to stand up, be a man, do what he said, and, and vote for McCarthy. There we go, a Matt Gates voter. Interesting stuff. Thanks, David. Jenny in Chicago. Jenny, I'll give you the last word. Hey, right. At this point, what choice do they have? Anybody that's been nominated has declined, and they turn to support McCarthy. He's promised a few good things, but I also believe he has a little bit of loyalty to the Democrat side. And I don't think he's going to rock the boat the first two years while Biden's still in office. Well, we'll see. But your point is a good one. What's the alternative? Especially now, that question has not been answered. I think that is maybe the most important point in all of this. Thanks for the call, Jenny, and everyone else. Another hour coming up. Guy Benson Show. From the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative, Guy Benson Show. A brand new hour, so fresh, so clean. On the Guy Benson Show, I'm Guy Benson in New York. I'm here for the big show over the weekend, 5 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, FNC. Hope to see you there. Thanks for tuning in here on the radio side. It's GuyBensonShow.com. The podcast is free every day on demand. You can also follow us on social at Guy Benson Show, Twitter and Instagram. Fox News alert. Let's bring you a market update as the markets have closed for the week. A big day on Wall Street. The Dow soaring nearly 700 points. Some overall good news on the jobs front. That's probably why. Dow finishing the day at 33,629. And that market update sponsored by Americans for Prosperity, our friends over there who are committed to empowering each and every American to realize their own American dreams. By being champions of policies that expand freedom and opportunity, AmericansforProsperity.org, proud to be associated with them. And with that, let's get to our next guest. Actually, our first guest of the show today. Oh. Yeah, because we took a lot of calls last hour on this whole Speaker drama, the McCarthy mm. mutiny that might be petering out. We'll find out in a couple of hours. Jimmy Fallon, host of Fox Across America, right here on Fox News Radio, weekdays noon to three on many of these same stations and many others, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Jimmy, great to see you. Happy great New to, Year. Great to see you, my man. And I was going to talk about my fashion, but I want to speak to that Yankee hat on your head really yeah. quick. So my son Lincoln Fallon is so excited they resigned Aaron Judge. Yes. Oh, as he should be. That's right. Uh, but it's a $360 million contract. The good news is we got Judge back. The bad news is $29 a beer. Like, we are going to be paying so much money. You know, and I, I was also in negotiations with Fox around the same time, and I was like, hey, 
<laughs> a shoot for the stars here. And I, I made uh, some fraction of that money. I won't say what fraction. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it would have helped to have the San Francisco Giants on the hook with a counter <laughs> right, Exactly. Next time around. Yeah, next time around. Although it was funny, the day that this was all going down, I was actually here in New York. And, and we can get back to politics in a second, but... They announced the Yankees put out a press release that they were excitedly re-signing Brian Cashman as GM. And I said to my brother, we were going to the Devils game, I said, unless they are out of their minds, Uh they are not announcing that they're re-signing Cashman hours before Judge gets away. That would, like, (laughs) they would burn the stadium down. The fans would. And I was right. And I was at the Devils game that night in Newark. I was wearing a devil shirt and this hat, mm-hmm. and people were coming up to me like I worked for the Yankees, asking for updates. Like they saw that, like what's going on with Judge? I'm like, I, I don't know. I have Twitter. <laughs> well, that's it's funny that you say that really quick, guy, because people assume from your fashion choice uh-huh. that you might be more enlightened in the medium than they are. Which brings me to this awful shirt I'm wearing. Yeah, what is that? Okay, it's radio, but you have to describe it. It's like, well, it's from it's another entry in my overweight figure skater collection. I look oh, like I was a, I was going with homosexual cowboy, but there's a little bit of that. Okay. It's a Brokeback Mountain sequel coming out. They kind of tabled it. Uh, not co-starring me. No, Guyva did not make the hunt. Uh, but I gotta I gotta tell you, this is uh, it does look emblematic of a guy who was a champion figure skater, but got a little hung up with the fork and knife during the lockdowns, <laughs> and now instead of double lutzes, we're doing double cheeses. But you know what? We're on the Guy Benson show, so it's still a win, still a gold medal for me, GB. Speaking of a win, yes. McCarthy might finally get one. If people are just tuning in, the update is Mm -hmm. most of the holdouts are now on board. They got concessions. It's down to six, of which they're going to need two Mm -hmm. because there's other guys coming back into town. It's this whole complicated thing. But two more left. Mm -hmm. I think they probably get there, but I'm not sure because these are the hardest core. Yep, yep. You have had a different read on this than I have. You seem to uh-huh. have been loving the chaos. I love it. More than I have. Uh-huh. Although I also have been losing my mind. Some people are losing their minds on this. Yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's almost a little too much passion. But let me give it to you really quick. Strategically, I was talking to Kat Kamek earlier from Florida. I said what she should be doing at this point is they shouldn't be working the Republican holdouts. They should be giving a couple of Democrats tickets to Grand Cayman to just get them to leave the floor. Uh, like, because right. as the turnout decreases, so does the threshold. Mm-hmm. They have the votes if five Democrats go home. They just The Democrats are showing up in full force. Are you suggesting that Democrats might be bought? Jimmy <laughs> Fallon? And, and the thing is, with, with Kat Kamek, since you brought her up, she uh-huh. gave one of the, like the 17,000 nominating speeches yes. for McCarthy mm-hmm. and sort of made a joke that the Democrats yeah. were eating popcorn and drinking booze. Yeah, yeah. And the Democrats pretended to get so offended. I, I loved that faux rea- that uh, morality how, crusade. How dare you? Yeah. Boo! <laughs> how dare you say we drink alcohol? Now, excuse me, I've got to run. I'm taking my five-year-old to a drag strip show. <laughs> I'm not some kind of lowlife over here, Kamek. And they were, I mean, people in Congress drink. Let's be oh, clear. I know. We're, we're two speakers removed from John Boehner. No, I was saying John Boehner, yeah. the ultimate move that I was hoping for, since uh-huh. it was a giant show. Yeah. I was hoping John Boehner was actually going to show up on the floor to watch this <laughs> just with a bottle of Merlot and a cigarette. Just sit there in the speaker's chair just watching. Are you not a little surprised he didn't get nominated by Gates at some point? Uh, Everyone time. else has been nominated. I was nominated once. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed <laughs> by the support. James Fela, the Honorable James Fela. You're mm-hmm. like, who's this Honorable James Fela? <laughs> this guy. Uh, let me. So let me have a laugh about this because this is where my reaction and yours kind of differed. First and foremost, I don't think this is consequential beyond the story ending. Meaning if we get a speaker tonight, I don't think anybody cares about it by Tuesday. If we get a speaker Tuesday, 
I generally agreed with that. Okay, that's a start. So far, we'll start there. A lot of the rationale and overreaction online is like, oh, we got to get this done. We're going to look at the Democrats. We look so disorganized. I mean, the Democrats, if they were calling us disorganized for another week, that's the best thing they've ever said about us. Okay, we've been fascists. We've been white supremacists. We've been everything else. So I don't think we can operate with them in mind because the truth is, even if we do get McCarthy over the hump tonight, what are they going to say? Well, they only did it today to take the attention away from January 6th. Like, there's no version of this where the Democrats go, way to go, Republicans. You got it done. So I'm not really concerned with the outside perception, but even internally, I think I have two things to offer to this conversation that you haven't heard a lot about that aren't particularly political, but speak to my lack of enthusiasm for McCarthy. That's where I come from. And I know you're not a huge McCarthyite. No. But there are two things. Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. I'm a hardcore old school McCarthy. Yeah, he's an old school McCarthy guy. Stop the new McCarthy. Right. Your, your show's going to get canceled because you are a communist. That's my allegation that I'm making. Oh, it's so funny. So one of the things that did strike me as odd is he moved into the speaker's office before the vote. I was telling Christine this off the air. Okay, I understand he thinks he's going to get the vote. He's the presumptive favorite. He's raised the most money, and that's usually how this plays out. But to me, that just struck me as dumb. And the reason I say dumb guy is because knowing we had these holdouts right. to get over the top. That was presumptuous. Yes. It's like, it's like you're bidding on a house. Mm-hmm. You know that you have by far the best offer out there. Yeah. So you just move in? Yeah. It's not quite yours yeah, yet? They're still taking bids is the point. Right. And everyone's yelling and screaming that this shouldn't be playing out in public. But if McCarthy wasn't packing a U-Haul, handing out pizza and beer on Sunday, he might have been doing some back-channel negotiations well, then. They had a few months to anticipate Yes. This, this is not new. So I think this is a reflection of his leadership, number one. I don't disagree. Okay. Number two, I just think from like a cosmic standpoint, this is weird of me, but, you know, I come from a big gambling house. You know, the, Oh, I'm aware. The first Giants jersey my dad bought me was plus 10. It was, it, was, <laughs> it was plus 10 and a half. But stick with me. The fact that he moved in before getting the votes. Like, That's I, a sports betting joke, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. I don't, be, I, I don't believe in jinxing anything in the universe. Like, you know, my, um, my radio studio has a lot of decorations, the New York studio. Mm-hmm. It very much looks like the inside of the van that promised you candy. You know, it does, um, which you would never do in this day and age. Can you imagine a kidnapper? Kid, get in the van. I got candy. The kid's like, does it contain high fructose corn syrup? Right, like, you'd have to them offer them. There's, there's a TikTok in here. <laughs> You've got to give the kids so many There's different. a TikTok, child. <laughs> so many options. Who are you subscribed to on the TikTok? But it just just in the sense that he moved in before getting the votes also to me speaks to like jinxing something. Yeah. You know, it's like when teams about to clinch a trip to the World Series and they show the champagne in a locker room, but there's still one one out to go. Hillary Clinton's yeah, people very good. drinking the champagne. Fireworks barge. Yep. He got the fireworks barge and moved it into the office and I didn't like that. No, I, I think you're right. My thing more mm-hmm. is I, there was no real alternative. There was never a real alternative, and that matters, number one. I also wasn't that concerned, to your point, about what the Democrats were going to say or the media. Mm, They are who they are. Mm. I am more concerned over the next two years of what independent voters think of Republicans because they barely wanted to give Republicans power this time. Yep. And you have to at some point convince those people that you are worthy of power and can do things. Uh Uh-huh. Not a great first impression. No, my you, do got, you do got to get going on that. But there's another point I would make about but, but that. But four days. Yeah, it doesn't fine. matter. If this bled over for weeks and whatever, like, then that's was, a problem. If it was October of 2024 <laughs> and we didn't have a speaker, and we might get there. We're, we're not there yet. Then I think it's an issue. But if 2024 comes around, inflation is still this bad. The border's bad. Crime is the way it is. I don't think anyone's going to the polls going, Democrats screwed this up. However, do you remember those four days in January of 2023? Maybe. Although – 
we just lived through November, and it should have been a lot better than it was. Of course it was. But this is what I think. I think us as people who covered for a living prioritize different things than voters do. I mean, I think the average American this week spent four days praying for DeMar Hamlin. I think most people did. Yep. They wanted him to get out of his situation. And they were doing other things. And the we have good year. updates on him coming good. up, by and the way. And people were pretending to go to the gym. You know, there were things going on this mm-hmm. week besides who the hell is Kevin McCarthy. So in that regard, and I also don't think it's that consequential this time around in terms of our control of the House because nothing's getting through the Senate anyway. So it's basically, do the American people like our investigations and do they like the symbolic votes we send through to the Senate? And I don't know how consequential that is. Right. If there are government shutdowns, that's another question. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it's just I don't think normal voters like chaos. Yeah, That's that. my concern. We have like a minute left, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Very quickly, Harry and Meghan, I'm anti. I'm bored of them. This book is ridiculous. They might even be losing Christine, who's so uh-huh. far been the mark for them. Yes. Very quickly, your thoughts. Uh, I was completely um, like agnostic when it came to the monarchy. But after hearing that William beat him up. I am now auditioning to be Martha McCallum's cover when he gets coronated. <laughs> like, I want to be there. I love him so much. Prince Harry, I mean, nobody has whined more and contributed less. And I don't begrudge him his military service in Great Britain. But since she came into the picture, I'll just tell you this really quick. She's a grifter. He's in a really rich family. When you're in a really rich family, you know what it's like when you're around somebody that people are uneasy because they're going to put the bite on you and they rub people the wrong way. That's the horse sense that bothered them about her. Him expressing that to Harry rubbed Harry the wrong way and so now in a desperate you know attempt to just get the privacy they crave oh, what yeah. are they doing yeah he's writing, writing books, books where he's describing <laughs> his man parts just please please give them their, their cherished privacy in between their books and national television interviews yeah. ridiculous you hear that christine jimmy Fallon, fox across america happy new year good to see you my best we'll always have this nice shirt on the guy benson show I'm Guy Benson. Story that we talked about earlier in the week that has really transfixed the country. It was really the talk of the country Monday night into Tuesday was that very scary incident during the Bengals-Bills game on Monday Night Football, which ended the game. Game got canceled. Now it's just not going to be played at all. DeMar Hamlin, safety for the Bills, was hit hard in the chest and had a cardiac incident. Cardiac arrest. And he almost died. And thank God he did not. We've been tracking his progress, and there has been progress. For example, they said he was communicating. I think we saw that yesterday. Not speaking because he was intubated, but he was using the written word to communicate. Now an update earlier today from the Bills and their official social media accounts. Quote, per the physicians at UCMC, DeMar's breathing tube was removed overnight. He continues to progress remarkably in this recovery. His neurologic function remains intact, and he's been able to talk to his family and care team. So that was obviously extremely heartening. Then this follow-up, DeMar Hamlin FaceTimed into our team meeting today to talk to players and coaches. What he said to the team, quote, Love you, boys. That's incredible. That sort of gives you chills. There was very serious concern that this man was going to die on Monday night. Or that maybe he would never be able to speak again. We didn't know. 
Then he was passing notes, writing notes yesterday. The tube came out, breathing on his own, and was able to FaceTime into the meeting and talk to his teammates and his coaches. That's just amazing. So keep those prayers coming. Keep the well wishes coming. He's probably got a long road ahead. But this is unambiguously wonderful news. And I wanted to share it with you on this Friday. The other thing that I will just point out is I think understandably on Monday and Tuesday, no one wanted to talk at all about football, which is right. Football, the game, the sport, the playoff picture, all pales in comparison to what happened. When someone's life is on the line, this young man fighting for his life in this sort of freak incident. Then I think especially yesterday, as it was clear that he was progressing, at least in my mind, it has become more reasonable to get back to thinking about football, the sport to which he has devoted his professional life and career. And I know that there are some people out there who are very much still gun-shy about going that path, about whether or not they're going to really talk about sports. Is it too soon? I don't think it's too soon. And I think my point of reference for that isn't just being a sports fan. My point of reference is DeMar Hamlin. One little nugget that we got yesterday when he woke up, he wasn't speaking yet, but he was able to write the first thing, reportedly, the very first thing he said when he was able to communicate. The first thing was he asked the question, did we win? I guess he had assumed, understandably, that the game had continued. Of course, it had not, correctly. But he's such a competitor. He wanted to know if the Bills had won the game. If he's wondering about that question, it's not way out of bounds Thursday or today for the rest of us to start shifting back to talking about football in addition to his personal situation. That's just my view of it. I don't think that these are contradictory at all. And... As I said, he, I think, is the great piece of evidence for that himself. Dan, I know you spent a lot of your career in sports radio. This is probably a very sensitive balancing act all week in that realm of the industry. I just wonder what you think. Like, to me, especially once it became clear that he was making it out of the woods, I just don't think it's insensitive at all anymore to do DeMar Hamlin and NFL football, NFL playoff picture, Where's the game going to be played? That kind of stuff. No, I agree. Like the first day, Monday, Tuesday, obviously that's about him. That's about his recovery and about finding out what's happening and how he's doing. And then after that, I mean, once he's doing well, yes, we, you know, we care about his well-being and everything in that realm is is very, very important. But like, here's the thing. If he hadn't improved or if he was deteriorating or God forbid, if he had passed away, different conversation. Tougher. That's a lot tougher. But. It's a better conversation because he is doing a lot better. I think that's kind of my point here. Yeah, and he would want the same thing. He'd want to know when we when we going, boys. Like, when are we doing this? Right. You know, he wants to know about the playoffs. He wants to get better and and watch his guys out there and and play play well and win. Um, so it is a tough thing to kind of navigate in the sports world. And a lot of people are doing their best in sports media too. I've been watching a lot of it. Some people aren't doing the best, especially right away. Yep. Um, that we've seen, and people have kind of jumped on them. But, you know, it's 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 something well, that— Well, that might be fueling some of the hesitancy now yeah. because of the bad reactions, insensitive reactions early, maybe an overcorrection. That's just how I'm sort of viewing it. But one of the other cool stories to come out of this is, I guess, 
He has a big charity, and it has raised millions of dollars this week because people want to do something. That, I think, goes to the fundamental goodness of the American people. Just a a very heartwarming story now that we seem to know, God willing, that this man is doing a lot better. And then we can get back to football, which I know a lot of fans are eager for. Got a break. We'll be right back. Guy Benson Show returns after this. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. Halfway through this Friday edition of the Guy Benson Show, New York City. Thank you for listening. GuyBensonShow.com is our website. Podcast is always free of charge on demand when the show is over, like an hour and a half from now or so. With us now, Tom Homan, former acting director of ICE and a visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation. And Tom, it's good to have you back. Thanks for having me, Guy. All right. So a couple things that I wanted to get to here with you. President Biden making some news this week on the border crisis. He's actually going to go down there. Finally, this president is going to visit the border. I have expressed concerns that it's going to be sort of like a Potemkin visit where they clean it up and sanitize things. And he's not really going to see or hear the things that he needs to because they want to shield him from the truth, given what his policies have wrought. But just putting aside that cynicism for a moment, if the president wanted to learn something, if the president wanted to actually gain information, glean information, and make progress, what would you recommend this trip look like for him? First of all, you cinema, uh, uh, you're right on track. I've already talked to my sources down there, and they're cleaning that place up to look like Disneyland. So you're right on what you're, what you're thinking. Look, what he needs to do is, is El Paso's okay as long as he goes to the border, not stay in the building, an air-conditioned building, and, and talking to command. He needs to do what the President Trump used to do, get down on the border and talk to the men and women wearing that uniform about what's going on, what their needs are. Now, those border agents have no problem telling the Secretary what they think during town halls, and the President of the United States needs to hear the same thing. If he really wants to make a difference when he goes down there, the first thing he should do is apologize to the men of the Horse Patrol, who he slandered from the White House podium to the entire nation. And they were found innocent of any wrongdoing. That's the first thing he ought to do, is try to raise morale of the border patrol agents that he attacked. But he needs to talk to the men and women doing the job. He needs to hear what their struggles are every day. He needs to hear why 14 of them have committed suicide this year. If he really cares about the border, securing a border, talk to the experts, not the command, talk to the men and women on the ground. Meanwhile, there have been some changes on policy, and our colleague here at Fox, Bill Malugin, was walking through some of them in a number of his reports at foxnews.com and his Twitter feed. It seems like they are trying to maybe engage in something of a shell game where they're moving some of the illegal crossings into different buckets. They would be able to maybe reduce the number of official encounters, but might be incentivizing more attempts at becoming gotaways. What do you make of the changes? Is there anything good, anything constructive that you're seeing in the policy changes, number one? And number two, if there are other elements that you are more skeptical of or you think aren't really serious, what are your concerns there? Well, Bill Malusin's right on target. I mean, what they're, they're, they are playing a shell game because what they're trying to do, he, he announced it yesterday, he's, he's going to parole, you know, 30000 a month. Now, look, 
what they're going to do is is parole them, which they'll enter legally. Then they'll claim next month, hey, look, illegal alien uh, crossings are way down. It's only because you went south and legalized them. You know, it's, it is a shell game. And let me explain the asylum process. You can only you can what, what they're doing is sidestepping the asylum process because they know that. Nine out of ten don't qualify for asylum. And Syracuse University just did a report last week, track their their their, their data analysis, and they showed they were tracking these family units to court proceedings, and they, they took a segment of them and followed them all the way to court proceedings. Ninety-three percent lost their hearing. So this administration knows that. So rather than dealing with the asylum process and coming across the border, they're simply going to parole these people in, which is a violation of law, in my opinion. The parole, the parole regulation says you can parole on a case-by-case basis for an urgent humanitarian concern or a significant public benefit. It has to be by case-by-case determination. There's already two lawsuits filed for because they paroled. They already paroled thousands. There's a lawsuit pending in Indiana, one in Florida, one in Florida I'm actually involved with. I work with uh, Immigration Reform Law Institute. It's one of the things I'm a senior fellow with, and we're partners in that lawsuit. There's a hearing on next week, a trial. And I, I told him they should use uh, his speech from yesterday. We're talking about paroling 30,000 people. That right there says he's violating the parole statute. So I think he's going to lose that in court. And again, just it's just it's smoking mirrors. They're going. And, and the other thing they're trying to do, they're sending more NGOs down down to Mexico. They got access to CBP databases. They're going to start processing people in Mexico. Have, then they'll give them a piece of paper, go to the port of entry. So what they're trying to do is legalize a lot of this stuff and bring it into a port of entry state so I can claim, hey, guess what? The border numbers are down. Right, or like legalize it in quotes because it's still a mess. It's still not going through a legal process. It's just sort of changing the paperwork a little bit to make the numbers look less bad. That's how it reads to me. And those who aren't eligible will be more inclined, more incentivized to become gotaways. So keep an eye on, on that number as well. And the other thing, Tom, is my understanding is this parole, if it survives in court, because I think you make a good point about this, does he have the authority to do this on this vast scale of like for whole classes of people, not really an individual case-by-case basis? If this starts to happen, it's a two-year supposedly temporary process where you can come in and you can stay for two years I think that's where a lot of people just start to laugh. There's no I, there's no reality under which people come in for two years and then in large numbers say, oh, well, our time's up. Let's now leave in an orderly process. It's just getting more people here who are not actually legally entitled to be here for a period of years that would then be swept up potentially in a future path to legalization or citizenship and you would say oh well look they've had children here you know we can't separate them from their family we they've been americans for years and these are the arguments that are used over and over again i think they're sometimes powerful political arguments but if you're just trying to get as many people across the line as possible to join that larger population to me again it just looks like bad policy authority abuse and also just cynicism in advance that's at least my read on it. Well, look, you're spot on. I mean, <laughs> guy, you're good. I mean, you said it better than I did, and everything you said was correct. Yes, the, the number of gotaways are going to explode. If, if they institute these rules, they're going to say, look, I'm not, you know, not going to go back and, and fly for this pearl through some app. I'm here. 
So I'm just going to be one of the Godaways rather than turning myself over to the board Joe, like the other one point. We got 1.2 million Godaways since Joe Biden's been in the office. The second thing you said is exactly right. You bring these people in, they're never leaving. And let me give you an example. The Homeland Security Lifecycle Report is a report produced by DHS. It's the Secretary's very own report. If you go into that report, anybody can look it up on the Internet. If you look at the footnotes on, on, on recidivism and removals, you'll see this. Out of all the family units that came across hundreds of thousands in the last decade, I told you, 9 out of 10 lost your case. How many of them have left the country? 90% of the hundreds of thousands, 6% have left the country. When it comes to unaccompanied alien child, 3% leave the country. Yeah. Once they're here and they lose, they're not going home. They're going to wait around for the next giveaway, the next DACA, the next, the next amnesty. And this country has proven over and over again, if, you're, if you can hide out long enough, we're going to give you something. Yeah. And look, today's UAC, today's family units are tomorrow's DACA. That's why they're coming. They, they're not going to leave, and that's a problem. That's why President Trump was great with the Remain in Mexico program. You can still claim asylum. We, you, you have that right. But guess what? You're going to wait in Mexico to the hearing because we know 9 out of 10 you will fail, and we don't have to go search it down. Right. The biggest hit I took as ICE director, and you hit it uh, on the head, Guy, I, I, I removed somebody, and, and, and they say, well, why – even Republicans will, will call me up and yell at me, why'd you remove that guy? He said, two USC, two USC kids. And I have to explain, well, when he entered the country, he didn't have USC kids. He was order removed. He became a fugitive. He went into hiding, and he decided to have two USC kids. So now the court ruling that the order from the federal judge means nothing. He gets amnesty. Now he's immune from our laws. No. Yeah, wh- what are those incentives? Right. What's that incentive structure, too? This is This is the problem. And I am sympathetic to a lot of people including some illegal immigrants. I understand a lot of the reasons and motives for coming here, but we have to have control of our border. We have to have control of our laws and apply them faithfully and evenly. We are nowhere close to that. And unfortunately, as long as this president is in office, we won't approach that. There needs to be a change. I am hopeful that the border visit will be somewhat productive and not a complete show for TV cameras, although I'm not sure about that. Ultimately, it's the policies that need to change, and I am especially skeptical that that's going to happen. But we will watch. We'll give it a chance to play out and then go from there. But we're going to keep telling the truth and looking at this with critical thinking. On The Guy Benson Show, Tom Homan, former acting ICE director, our guest, visiting fellow at Heritage. Tom, appreciate it. Thanks, you. I appreciate you. The Guy Benson Show is back right after this short break. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. As we continue here on The Guy Benson Show, I did want to respond to this. I was actually planning to do it earlier in the week, but it's been a little busy, (laughs) the news cycles, been a bit crazy, but I didn't want to just let the week expire without mentioning it. Former President Donald Trump put out a truth social post on New Year's Day where he was attempting to deflect blame to anyone and everything else for the Republicans' poor performance in November. And we have read from the analyses about how Trump-backed Republicans actually ran five points behind, on average, other Republicans when they did a deep-dive analysis of all the House races. That's significant. And you can highlight some of the other big races, Senate races, for example, a few governor's races, where there was a similar, if not more pronounced, phenomenon. I don't want to beat that to death. I've had my say on that. I think it speaks for itself. But here's what Trump posted. 
He said, quote, it wasn't my fault that the Republicans didn't live up to expectations in the midterms. I was 233 and 20, which I think is a misleading stat. But that's what he's throwing out there. It was the abortion issue poorly handled by many Republicans, especially those that firmly insisted on no exceptions, even in the case of rape, incest or life of the mother. That lost large numbers of voters. Also, the people that pushed so hard for decades against abortion got their wish from the U.S. Supreme Court and just plain disappeared, not to be seen again. Plus, Mitch, stupid monies, exclamation point. That was his post. Now, I could probably spend this whole segment just breaking down his attack on Mitch McConnell and the spending. I'm open to arguments that McConnell's spending in Alaska, for example, in his decisions in Arizona, may be questionable. Right. I think there's a fair at least debate to be had there. Otherwise, though, Mitch McConnell and his pack spent oodles of money on all these Senate candidates. Including Trump backed Senate nominees that McConnell wouldn't have picked himself. Some people who had bad mouth Mitch McConnell, he funded them anyway. McConnell and his organization spent so much more money to try to get the majority back than Trump did. Trump spent a tiny fraction of his organization's money, raised a ton of it, used the Senate to raise huge mountains of cash, and only invested a tiny fraction of that back into these campaigns, unlike McConnell. I could just beat that issue to death, but I won't. Let's talk about the abortion issue and pro-lifers, which is what Trump is really blaming here, which I think is wrong. I'm not saying that the Dobbs decision on abortion, the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which in my view was correct, it was the constitutionally correct and overdue thing for the Supreme Court to have decided. I'm not arguing that it had no impact. I think it probably did have some impact, especially in certain races in certain places and may have motivated a certain subsect of voters to turn out to the polls who may not have otherwise in a midterm cycle. Though it's supposed to be bad for the party in power. It might have taken some independents who were maybe leaning right, but this is a big issue for them, so they tipped back toward the Democrats. That's possible. But broadly speaking, I think this really misses the mark. Oh, and incidentally, it's not like Republicans all handled this perfectly. I think the Republicans could really, as a whole, tune up and improve and hone their messaging on this issue both in terms of defending their position and also counter-punching, counter-attacking. And there's plenty of fertile ground for that, given the absolutely obscene extremism of the Democrats, unfortunately, these days on this very issue. There's a contrast there that doesn't cut in the Democrats' favor, even though they've got all that favorable media coverage because the media is so horrifically biased on this issue. So, again, I'm not saying no impact. I'm not saying this is a perfect communication strategy by the Republicans on this issue. Room for improvement, no doubt. However, there's something of a straw man here from Trump. What Republican was running anywhere in the country for any major office who is arguing that abortion should be banned in every case, including to save the life of the mother? No one. That isn't a thing. That didn't happen. But that's a straw man that Trump is erecting to try to pretend like you had all these hardcore extremists out there dragging the whole party down on the issue. 
That's not something that happened. It's something that Democrats like to portray Republicans as. I don't think it's helpful to amplify the smear, but he did. I also think it's unfair to pretend like pro-lifers who'd been fighting in the trenches for decades to overturn Roe. It's like, oh, they got their way. They just stayed home. They didn't vote. There's not really evidence of that. Republican turnout, conservative turnout in the midterm elections was very good. The problem was not Republican turnout. The problem was independents, especially for federal candidates, wouldn't vote Republican at the level that would have been expected typically in a midterm election under these political conditions. You would expect independents to break Republican by a significant margin. In fact, they broke even if perhaps slightly for the Democrats. That's what did it. Now, you can say maybe some of that was fueled by the abortion issue, perhaps, but a lot of those same independents voted in droves. Moderates, suburbanites voted in droves for pro-life Republican governors, for example. Every single Republican governor in the country was reelected, all of them, including governors who signed significant abortion restrictions into law since Dobbs or in recent years. Ron DeSantis signed a 15-week abortion restriction, broadly popular, in Florida. He won by almost 20 points, historic majority. You look at Governor DeWine in Ohio, a heartbeat, six-week ban. He won by, what, 26 points? Brian Kemp eked out a victory four years ago, signed a heartbeat bill, six weeks in Georgia, then just won by eight points. Christy Nome in South Dakota has been a fighter on this issue. Signing some of the most restrictive measures in the country, she won in a blowout. Kim Reynolds in Iowa, same story. So I think it is a lazy and unfair argument that we typically see from the left and from the media that abortion cost Republicans a better election cycle in November. And it is frustrating to see it coming from a Republican, especially the only Republican who's an announced candidate for president in 2024. That's Donald Trump. And he really ticked off a lot of pro-lifers by saying what he said. And he did it scapegoating them so that he could say, in his mind, the first four words of his post, it wasn't my fault. That's what's motivating him. And I just wanted to point out that I think his logic, such as it exists here, is deeply flawed. And I think it's important to push back. And even though it took me till Friday, I was going to get there, and I did. Meanwhile, we will lighten things up. It is Friday. Friday's with Cat coming up next. Cat Timp in studio to help us round out the week when we return. Five o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. It's the happy hour on this Friday on the Guy Benson Show from New York City. I'm Guy Benson. Thank you very much for tuning in. I'll be co-hosting the big show tomorrow and Sunday, 5 p.m. Eastern on Fox News Channel. I'll be on Gutfeld on Monday. More on that in a second. TheLongDrink.com is the website of our sponsor, 
this happy hour, every happy hour. We recommend the long drink if you're 21 plus. We recommend always drinking responsibly. If you want more information about the long drink, besides the fact that it's delicious, maybe to find out where it's sold near you, thelongdrink.com. Our website here, guybensonshow.com, podcast always free. GuyBensonShow.com, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. That includes Bonus Benson on the weekends. You can also follow us on social media at Guy Benson Show on Twitter and Instagram. Well, joining me here in studio in New York is our friend and colleague, Kat Timph, Fox News contributor, co-host of Gutfeld, every weeknight at 11 p.m. Eastern. I'll be joining her, as I mentioned, on Monday on the panel. Also, she is co-host of the Tyrus and Timph podcast, available at foxnewspodcast.com and elsewhere. And Kat, happy new year to you. Happy new year. New year, new you. No, I mean, I'm pretty great, but I am doing dry January. This is literally my first bullet point. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, not yet. You're six days in. Yeah. Well, I I I didn't start. I started on the like second, I think. So you're four days in. Yeah. Well, that's something. Yeah. I'm going to do it though. You're confident. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm so confident. Because Christine did dry January last year and lasted 11 days and called that a success. Okay, so you, you, she lasted 11 days, and then when you slipped up, you were like, eh, we're done forever. You yes, weren't just it's, like, it's okay, I slipped up, I'm going to do the rest of January? No. It was, oh, no, 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 no. She, no. Was, she was done at that point. I'm going to go till February 3rd or 4th. Okay, a full month. Full month. And Cam's doing it with me. That makes it easier, I think. Yeah, it's easier, right? What's the strategy like because to me i haven't had a drink since new year's eve but it also is now friday right so if i were to go out and see friends in new york city maybe have a bite of dinner i'd be like oh glass of wine sounds good right i could just not do that obviously but i have not resolved to do dry january do you have any coping mechanisms like not see certain friends not go certain places no, um, you actually just get dopamine from not drinking and feeling better than other people. That's kind of my strategy. <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna sort of lord your good feelingness over the others. Well, I don't need to. I can. I don't need to necessarily lord it over them. I mean, the tough thing is my like you know um, when you do go out and you see people who are drinking, you f- you feel like you worry that oh they're gonna am I gonna be boring? But then I remind myself I'm never boring. You're not boring. I, I I'm a lot of things, but <laughs> that's like. If anything, I could be improved by becoming more boring, perhaps. Uh, so, so it sounds like internal smugness actually yeah. is going to help you through this. And dopamine, I mean, there, there is a sense of accomplishment. I've taken breaks from alcohol before. I've taken a month off before. Uh, just this past November, I took off three weeks just because I went a little hard on my birthday. And I was like, I'm going to take two weeks off. And I wound up taking off three. Um, Meanwhile, on a similar track, a parallel track, the jewel has yeah. been in the drawer for how long now? Yeah, I haven't. I can actually look up exactly how long it's been since I've taken my last hit of a vape. Because this was for years on Fridays with Cat, a running trope of you and your deep addiction to the my vape. pacifier. So it's been 115 days, 20 hours, 40 minutes, and 32 seconds. Look at that. And if you look at my previous streaks, which you can look at, because um, I was trying to quit for a while, the previous one before it was an hour, 19 minutes, 14 minutes, 53 seconds. There's <laughs> one down here that is four seconds. <laughs> <laughs> the quitting so basically inhaled, I quit, and I was like, nope, need another puff. Mm, yeah. So 115 plus days, that's very impressive. It's crazy. I'm still using nicotine. Okay. So I'm using uh, the gum and then occasionally the nicotine, the tobacco-free nicotine pouches. 
uh, I like. How does those. that work? Is that a chew? It's it's a pouch with. It's just like you put it in your lip. Okay, it's the not gum, a patch. No, the gum you also put in your lip. The pouches came in higher strengths than a lot, like the gum you can buy at the pharmacy. And so so does the gum that I get online. This company is called Lucy. They should sponsor me. Um, and <laughs> truly. because just clip that and tweet at them. Yeah, because it comes in higher strengths and it was able to, because I was consuming so much nicotine. I remember, I don't know if I told you this story, when I had to get a dental procedure done and I had to have no vaping for 24 hours. And I bought these patches at the pharmacy and I covered my entire body in them, which I guess is supposed to kill you, but I felt nothing. I felt absolutely nothing. So I was, the amount of nicotine that I was consuming, I'd wake up with it in my hand every day. I would have it on the bathroom counter when I was in the shower and be leaning out of the shower to hit it. It was so much that I needed more than I, I was wanting to vape two vapes at once sometimes because it just wasn't enough, wasn't enough. And I was like, this is out of control. Yeah, this is out of control. Yeah, that's not good. And I've been I was like that for about eight years. I was like, I cannot do this. Um, I've actually had and I talked to Dr. Drew about this. I've had three cigarettes since I quit vaping, but only three because cigarettes are gross and they have downsides. Vaping, you just do it anywhere. Cigarettes, you have to go outside. You're going to bigger downsides. I mean, right? there are big, downsides. Right. Immediate downsides. Right. Like you're going to smell. Mm-hmm. You're going to have that gross taste in your mouth. Mm. Um, and I've not wanted your clothes. And he's like, right. He's like, if you can keep it to that, then and I actually never finished any of the three that I had. I had like a few puffs of each one. I was like, yuck. Is your body reacting strangely like, hang on, all of these substances that used to be in me a lot, now two of them are just gone. Is your body like happy but confused? Probably confused. I mean, especially because at first when I quit vaping, I was using these pouches, the highest strength pouches, constantly. I had a pouch in my mouth all the time. I had gum in my mouth all the time. Now I will occasionally go an entire day without any at all. Uh or just like a so piece like of gum here and there. you're weaning yourself. Yeah, I think I'm not trying to wean myself. I think that I will always use nicotine. Just, I mean, if I'm, you know, if I get pregnant, no. But like, I'll always use it because I don't think nicotine in itself is really bad. I'll probably chew the gum for the rest of my life. I like nicotine. Um, you know, I'm super ADD, ADHD. I find that it helps me focus. Um, but uh, the the way that I'm, the amount of nicotine in my system now versus before, it's it's not even comparable. And this is probably, if you do want to have a kid, a good dry run. Exactly. Literally. It's Yeah, exactly. For me, not drinking is, once you get through like a week, it's not that hard for me. Mm-hmm. It's really not that hard for me. I love to drink, but I also, not drinking can be kind of a drug in itself. It can be kind of exciting. It can be kind of interesting. If you go to a place or a situation where you normally would be drinking and you don't, then you're actually experiencing a trip. Almost like, oh, I'm stone cold sober in this place where I would normally be drinking. Right, you notice things. You like, notice actually, things. this is disgusting here. You're like, oh, wow. Like you're acting like an idiot. And like, you know that I'd be acting, you know, plus a lot of times people can't even tell. Like I was in college. <laughs> I was in a bowling alley. I was in college and they wouldn't serve me beer. They're like, you're too messed up. We've seen it. I had nothing to drink all day. <laughs> so like, I don't know if that says something bad about me, though. Like I'm just that uninhibited naturally. It says something about you. I'm not yeah. sure if it's bad. Yeah, I'm just I, I'm not. Not somebody that's like, oh, my inhibitions are just too too high. I need to bring them down a little bit. I'm an anxious person. I like to drink. Drinking is fun. But I actually don't normally, for a while now, I don't drink during the week ever. It's just mostly the weekends. Um, and it's just, it's it, the weekends are not that long. I think that's right. And I've generally 
tried to stick with the non-drinking during the week thing, like Sunday through Thursday. Yeah. Usually fine, maybe occasionally on a Thursday. After So my version, I guess, of dry January is after the holidays where you can't really avoid it. It's just like yeah. parties and cocktails and all this stuff. Yeah. I'm trying to stick at least for a month or two to the only Friday, maybe Saturday, one or the other type thing. Yeah. That's my rendition of this. Yeah, and I also find that when I take breaks, I drink less after that. So when I took off the three weeks in November, I was drinking like a lot. Like I'd have five drinks a week, you know. It's like a residual effect. Yeah, a residual effect. Producer Christine has a question here because she obviously needs some help in this area. Having failed at Dry January last year after a week and a half. Christine? So, Kat, I have a question for you. I'm all in on this Dry January, and I think I do a very good job. (laughs) Um. I'm totally with Guy on Monday through Friday. Like, it's fine. Yeah. But now, what about if you are going into a, a setting or a situation where, like, and yes, I've talked to a therapist about this, that you feel like alcohol will help you get through that situation? Like, say a judgy mother. Just say. I'm not saying yeah. I have a judgy mother. But just saying, and say maybe it's her birthday party, and you know, like, you're going to need a couple cocktails just to, you know, by the way, just for reference, Kat, her mother goes by the nickname Judgy Joyce, and it is her birthday this weekend. So oh, okay. this is a non-hypothetical situation. Got it. What's your counsel? Well, I think that is what taking a month off is all about, is that you lo- you learn to deal with it. You, you, you're, you only believe that because you haven't tried it otherwise. So when you force yourself to take time off, you realize, I did get through this without drinking, and then you develop skills to be able to know how to say no because I think it can become a habit where, oh, if they're having one, I'll have one, and it might not be what's serving you, and it makes you drink more mindfully. Uh, I mean, I'm going towards the end of this month. I'm going to you know do an event with Gutfeld. Normally there would be a lot of wine involved in such a thing, and it's the, but I'm not going to drink at all. And um, there have been, you know, even in November, I hung out with Greg, you know, a few times. And again, wine would be involved. I didn't drink. And I was like, I had fun. And I got to wake up being like, I didn't drink. And now I because it's it's unthinkable at first to be like, hey, I'm not drinking because they're drinking and how you get through that. When you realize you can, then it can change your relationship with it overall. And I think mindfulness is the important thing. I drink a lot. In the last two weeks of December, like at my dad's house, drink a lot. But that I planned to drink a lot. I was like, I'm going to my dad's. We, we had start, like a little advent calendar of drinking. We started calling it Tim Chella Christmas at my dad's house because none of us have kids yet. Uh, you know, Keith comes. Uh, my dad's there. It's my, just my dad, my dad's girlfriend, me, my brother, my sister, Cam and Keith. And we just be drinking till like the wee hours of the morning and then sleeping in. And so it's like, this is like Tim Chella. But not my dad doesn't ever drink like that any other time of the year and then he actually takes a break too until his birthday in february completely and he doesn't drink that much anyway to begin with but that was the plan i'm like this is this is the week where i have nothing to do i took this time off and i'm normally not there a whole week i went early because of the storm but you know i am planning to drink a lot this weekend so that's on purpose and i i know why i want to and i know what i'm getting out of it and uh, I have had a sober Christmas at my dad's before, too. So it's right, you I, sure, I, like, I know plan ahead and fun. stick to it and you stick to it. And then I'm like, OK, and then New Year's week, you know, I'm going to drink a lot on New Year's Eve and I'm going to drink on New Year's Day. But then I'm going to not drink because this is what I want to get out of it. So I think if you're able to force yourself to not let it be a habit when it just would be a habit. So, you know, that you can and you can look at those nights when you would have normally drank. And some of them you might say, 
I think that I would have been fun to have a few cocktails there. But some of them, you might say, I didn't need it at all. And you won't actually be able to realize those things unless you force yourself to realize those things. This went a lot deeper than I was expecting. (laughs) I was expecting to do like two minutes on, hey, dry January, congratulations, good luck. But I think we've all learned something here together. Now, when we come back, Christine thinks she's done, but she's not. Okay. When we come back... We need to stage an intervention of a different sort. All right. With Cat Timp, it is Fridays with Cat. I think I know what this might be about. On the Guy Benson Show. <laughs> Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. It's the happy hour on the Guy Benson Show. Friday in New York. Fridays with Cat. Cat Timp is here. So, Cat, as teased before the break, producer Christine, you guys have discussed this on the air and off the air previously we are now through christmas season it's over yes and i will quickly add i still occasionally hear christmas music out there and that is even more triggering and terrible than premature christmas music Mm. like january january it's it's just depressing in any case christine has a daughter megan who's nine next year she'll be double digits 10 and let me just say if you have young children listening magic of christmas stuff being discussed so be careful just warning you Megan confronted Christine about the existence of Santa Christine panicked tripled down tripled like so this is different than when she doubled down well, so she pinky swore right now the other day Christine overheard Megan arguing on the phone with a friend about Santa oh no hilariously Megan's evidence that she was citing for the existence of Santa is that her parents couldn't afford all the gifts that she got, <laughs> which is pretty great. Uh, However, <laughs> Megan is now like in the trenches fighting yeah. for Santa's existence this and is, honor. This is the problem. As she's approaching her 10th birthday. And I feel like you had urged her to tell the truth, for yeah. her to fess up and sit Megan down and say, mommy pinky swore for this reason, but here's the truth. She couldn't bring herself to do it. She completely chickened out. She's sort of pretending like this was the last year of doing it, but I don't believe that. I think she's going to keep deceiving her child until it's no longer tenable, and I'm trying to help you Does your child her. not have access to the Internet? I don't under. I, 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 I don't. I, dude, like, come on, bruh. Come on. I, I, come on. She had a magical Christmas. Cat. Of lies. <laughs> she had, <laughs> you're, I'm starting to get scarred because Guy mentioned to me in the show meeting that Megan's going to have huge trust issues yep. with her mom. Yeah. That makes me worried. Yeah. I, I, Cam and I fight about this. I'm not, I don't, I, I will tell my kids the truth. I'll say there is no Santa. Immediately? Yeah. I'm not, they're not going to hear his name. He's like, please just say, ask your father. I'm like, Ugh. I'm, sort of splitting the difference here. I'm happy to go with the Santa story for a few years, like the most magical years. And then once it gets to a point that it would be, as former President Trump once famously said, marginal. Yeah. I think that's when the reveal has to happen. Okay, but... And that's, by the way, way before age 10. I am scarred by it. I mean, magic, you look back on it. You don't like, oh, that was so magical. You look back on it and you say everything was a lie. And so anything magical or beautiful in the world that I see now, I'm like, that's that's there must be a logical explanation. It's a lie as a country, as a nation, even as, you know, a large part of the world. We don't agree on a lot, but we all agree that we band together and lie to our children. 
and make them think the world is a different. They're going to not say, oh, that was so magical. And I and I learned about the beauty and joy of the world. You learn that the beauty and joy of the world is all a bunch of crap. (laughs) I think allowing a four year old to believe in Santa is fine. And now we're talking about this in January. But I feel like we have to strike while the iron is hot. Yeah. To try to get Christine. So I'm not. I did research outside of work and I found a good housekeeping article that had a very good idea where you take your daughter's son out to coffee. You get them them whatever fancy drink they want. And they say, you know, we told you about Santa, but I think you're old enough now to say, you know, I'm Santa, but you're old enough where you can also be a Santa. And you can surprise like a neighbor or somebody with whatever gift you want mm. and hide it somewhere because you're a Santa now, too. Mm-hmm. How great is that? My I'm a busy woman and I spent the time to do that because I care. And you know what she's <laughs> doing? She's double tripling down on the Santa crap. We're going to do one of those like live radio ambushes. Yeah. Next year, where it's going to be like all of a sudden we've got a caller. It's Megan from New Jersey yeah. on Fridays with Cat. Oh my gosh, yeah! And we'll just have Cat Tim tell her on national radio. Yeah, that's I'm- your. So that's the alternative. You can either do it yourself like a grown woman, or you can have your child traumatized on this show in front of the nation. Your choice. You have like. 11 months to figure it out, maybe uh, I'll, less. I'll think about it, but no, I can't do well, it now. Well, I can't. I cannot right. look at her little cute face and be like, Mommy lied. Mommy well, lied. Well, you did. Yeah, but she's going to find that out soon enough. So whose terms Mommy is going to be Mommy did lie. Mommy did <laughs> lie. With that, Daddy needs to send us to break. Uh, <laughs> it's the Guy Benson Show. We'll take the break. Kat, great to see you. Kat Tim. Always great to see you. Stay tuned. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. It's the happy hour here on the Guy Benson Show. We continue to follow the speaker saga, the McCarthy mutiny, some movement today. We'll keep our eye on that. And, of course, we'll have full coverage on Monday, however this shakes out, if it shakes out by then. Meanwhile, earlier today in the show, we caught up right here in studio with our colleague, Jimmy Fallon, host of Fox Across America. Always a blast with Jimmy. Here's part of that rollicking Friday conversation. Jimmy, great to see you. Happy New Year. Great to see you, my man. And I was going to talk about my fashion, but I want to speak to that Yankee hat on your head really quick. So my son Lincoln Fela is so excited they re-signed Aaron Judge. Yes. As he should be. That's right. Uh, But it's a $360 million contract. The good news is we got Judge back. The bad news is $29 a beer. Like, we are going to be paying so much money. You know, and I, I was also in negotiations with Fox around the same time, and I was like, hey, let's shoot for the stars here. And I, I made... Uh, some fraction of that money. I won't say what fraction. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it would have helped to have the San Francisco Giants on the hook with a counteroffer. <laughs> right, exactly. Next time around. Yeah, next time around. Although it was funny, the day that this was all going down, I was actually here in New York, and and we can get back to politics in a second, but they announced the Yankees put out a press release that they were excitedly re-signing Brian Cashman as GM. <laughs> and I said to my brother, we were going to the Devils game, I said, Unless they are out of their minds, uh-huh. they are not announcing that they're re-signing Cashman hours before Judge gets away. That would like <laughs> they would burn the stadium down. The fans would, and I was right. And I was at the Devils game that night in Newark, 
I was wearing a devil shirt and this hat. Mm-hmm. And people were coming up to me like I worked for the Yankees asking for updates. Like they saw that, like, what's going on with Judge? I'm like, I, I don't know. I have Twitter. <laughs> well, that's it's funny that you say that really quick, guy, because people assume from your fashion choice uh-huh. that you might be more enlightened in the medium than they are, which brings me to this awful shirt I'm wearing. Yeah, what is that? Okay. It's radio, but you have to describe it. It's like. Well, it's from, it's another entry in my overweight figure skater collection. I look oh, like I was a, I was going with homosexual cowboy, but well, there's a little bit of that. Okay. It's a Brokeback Mountain sequel coming out. They kind of tabled it. Uh, not co-starring me. No, guy, I did not make the hunt. Uh, but I got I got to tell you, this is uh, it does look emblematic of a guy who was a champion figure skater, but got a little hung up with the fork and knife during the lockdowns, <laughs> and now instead of double lutzes, we're doing double cheeses. But you know what? We're on the Guy Benson show, so it's still a win, still a gold medal for me, GB. Speaking of a win, yes. McCarthy might finally get one. If people are just tuning in, the update is Mm -hmm. most of the holdouts are now on board. They got concessions. It's down to six, of which they're going to need two Mm -hmm. because there's other guys coming back into town. It's this whole complicated thing. But two more left. Mm -hmm. I think they probably get there, but I'm not sure because these are the hardest core. Yep, yep. You have had a different read on this than I have. You seem to Uh have been loving the chaos. I love it. More than I have. Uh Although I also have been losing my mind. Some people are losing their minds on this. Yeah, there's 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 almost a little too much passion. But let me give it to you really quick. Strategically, I was talking to Kat Kamek earlier from Florida. I said what she should be doing at this point is they shouldn't be working the Republican holdouts. They should be giving a couple of Democrats tickets to Grand Cayman to just get them to leave the floor. Uh Because as the turnout decreases, so does the threshold. Mm -hmm. They have the votes if five Democrats go home. They just, the Democrats are showing up in full force. Are you suggesting that Democrats might be bought, Jimmy <laughs> Fallon. The thing is, with, with Kat Kamek, since you brought her up, she uh-huh. gave one of the, like the 17,000 nominating speeches yes. for McCarthy mm-hmm. and sort of made a joke that the Democrats yeah. were eating popcorn and drinking booze. Yeah, yeah. And the Democrats pretended to get so offended. I, I loved that faux rea- that uh, morality how, crusade. How dare you? Yeah. Boo! <laughs> how dare you say we drink alcohol? Now, excuse me, I've got to run. I'm taking my five-year-old to a drag strip show. <laughs> I'm not some kind of low life over here, Kamek. And they were, I mean, people in Congress drink. Let's be oh, clear. I know. We're, we're two speakers removed from John Boehner. No, I was saying John Boehner, yeah. the ultimate move that I was hoping for, since uh-huh. it was a giant show. Yeah. I was hoping John Boehner was actually going to show up on the floor to watch this <laughs> just with a bottle of Merlot and a cigarette. Just sit there in the speaker's chair just watching. Are you not a little surprised he didn't get nominated by Gates at some point? Uh, Everyone else has been nominated. I was nominated once. I'm I'm kind of disappointed <laughs> by the support. James Fela, the Honorable James Fela. You're mm-hmm. like, who's this Honorable James Fela? <laughs> this guy. Uh, let me. So let me have a laugh about this because this is where my reaction and yours kind of differed. First and foremost, I don't think this is consequential beyond the story ending. Meaning, if we get a speaker tonight, I don't think anybody cares about it by Tuesday. If we get a speaker Tuesday. I generally agreed with that. Okay, that's so start so far we'll start there. A lot of the rationale and overreaction online is like, oh, we gotta get this done. We're gonna look the Democrats, we look so disorganized. I'm like the Democrats, if they were calling us disorganized for another week, that's the best thing they've ever said about us. Okay, we've been fascists, we've been white supremacists, we've been everything else. So I don't think we can operate with them in mind because the truth is even if we do get McCarthy over the hump tonight, what are they gonna say? Well, they only did it today to take the attention away from January sixth. Like there's no version of this where the Democrats go, Way to go, Republicans, you got it done. So 
I'm not really concerned with the outside perception. But even internally, I think I have two things to offer to this conversation that you haven't heard a lot about that aren't particularly political, but speak to my lack of enthusiasm for McCarthy. That's where I come from. And I know you're not a huge McCarthyite. No. But there are two things. Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a hardcore old school McCarthy. Yeah, he's an old school McCarthy guy. Stop the new McCarthy. Right. Your, your show's going to get canceled because you are a communist. <laughs> That's my allegation that I'm making. Oh, it's so funny. So one of the things that did strike me as odd is he moved into the speaker's office before the vote. I was telling Christine this off the air. Okay, I understand he thinks he's going to get the vote. He's the presumptive favorite. He's raised the most money, and that's usually how this plays out. But to me, that just struck me as dumb. And the reason I say dumb guy is because knowing we had these holdouts right. to get over the top. That was presumptuous. Yes. It's like, it's like you're bidding on a house. Mm-hmm. You know that you have by far the best offer out there. Yeah. So you just move in? Yeah. It's not quite yeah, yours yet? They're still taking bids is the point. Right. And everyone's yelling and screaming that this shouldn't be playing out in public. But if McCarthy wasn't packing a U-Haul, p- handing out pizza and beer on Sunday, he might have been doing some back-channel negotiations well, then. They had a few months to anticipate Yes. That. This is not new. So I think this is a reflection of his leadership, number one. I don't disagree. Okay. Number two, I just think from like a cosmic standpoint, this is weird of me, but, you know, I come from a big gambling house. You know, the, Oh, I'm aware. The first Giants jersey my dad bought me was plus 10. It was, it was, <laughs> it was plus 10 and a half. But stick with me. The fact that he moved in before getting the votes. Like, That's I, a sports betting joke, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. I don't, be, I, I don't believe in jinxing anything in the universe. Like, you know, my, um, my radio studio has a lot of decorations, the New York studio. Mm-hmm. It very much looks like the inside of the van that promised you candy. You know, it does, um, which you would never do in this day and age. Can you imagine a kidnapper? Kid, get in the van. I got candy. The kid's like, does it contain high fructose corn syrup? Right, like, you'd have to offer them. There's, there's a TikTok <laughs> yeah, in here. You've got to give the kids some. There's different. a TikTok, child. <laughs> so many options. Who are you subscribed to on the TikTok? But it just just in the sense that he moved in before getting the votes also to me speaks to like jinxing something. Yeah. You know, it's like when teams about to clinch a trip to the World Series and they show the champagne in a locker room, but there's still one, one out to go. My full interview with Jimmy Fallon, Fox Across America host here on Fox News Radio, available on our website, GuyBensonShow.com, or FoxNewsPodcast.com if you want the podcast, or wherever you get your free podcasts. When we come back, it's the home stretch. Producer Christine feeling some heat heading into the weekend. We'll talk about that, plus a potential furry addition to the Guy Benson Show family. That and more next. For the full interview and more, go to GuyBensonShow.com. Home stretch, Friday edition, Guy Benson Show. Tune in at 5 p.m. tomorrow and Sunday for the big show. Fox News Channel, I'll be one of the four co-hosting. Should be a lot of fun. A lot to talk about, obviously, in the news. GuyBensonShow.com here on the radio side. Podcast free every day on demand, plus bonus Benson on the weekends. Well, we were talking about this earlier this hour, as a matter of fact, with Kat Timpf. When she gave, I think, a lot of very interesting life perspective on dry January and doing things in moderation and knowing yourself and proving things to yourself, that got a little bit more like intellectual and introspective than I was expecting the conversation to get. But I think it was good. A little inventory being taken. Christine wanted to jump in with a question about if you're doing dry January and you have a coping-worthy event such as a judgy mother's birthday party. Kat gave her answer. If you missed it, you can listen on the podcast. But as I said at the time, this is a very real instance where Judgy Joyce has a birthday party this weekend, and Christine, it sounds like there has been some 
stress related to it already. Yes. What What's happening is my mother's favorite restaurant does not take reservations. And um, for some reason, she had thought they did. There was miscommunication between me and my sister of who made the reservation. Wait, hold up. It's her favorite restaurant and she's unaware of the reservations policy? You think my mom cares about making reservations for herself? Like she will make them make a table for her. Like that's it doesn't she doesn't care. But that's not usually how it works. If it's like Oh, a, it does for her. Interesting. Okay. So So there was confusion. Someone dropped the ball. It's, I'm not gonna say who. It wasn't me. But we're having to change venue. Well, I, I think you already did mention your sister like a minute ago. Whoops. So we can connect those dots. Sorry, sister. All right, go on. Then uh, we switched it to another restaurant, actually closer to my sister. And then I got a call two days ago that some pipe burst in the restaurant. They're closed down. Ah. So now we had to move it again. And she is getting uh, – she's growing more and more concerned because – you know, we have family coming. Her sister's going to be there. And, like, everything has to be just right for Joyce. Just has to be good. Dan, what are the odds that she gets through this weekend without having a drink? Zero. I mean, I, I she's going to te- – no, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm struggling. Too. Zero? You, you, zero chance she gets out and goes through without drinking. I, I think th- there's some chance. I'll give her, like, a one in three chance of making it through. So Bobby is doing dry January with me. Mm-hmm. I think that if he doesn't cave, I won't cave. So you're putting this on him. Yep. <laughs> That's yes, what I just am. happened there. You're just mm-hmm. throwing sister under the bus, husband under the bus. Got it. And Megan probably will keep up with her dry January. That is very honorable of her. I'm the, just kidding out the there, nine-year-old. Audience. I know. people. We're going to start getting t- tweets and emails about that one. <laughs> It's a joke. Cookie's joking. Sometimes she elaborates. Sometimes she embellishes. She's her own little George Santos here at the show. (laughs) Dan, in terms of your efforts to just cope in general, not just this month, but in life, you've been talking for a while, flirting for a while with the idea of getting a dog. Now, you know that we have a dog. You haven't met him because every time you're invited to my house, you don't come. (laughs) Uh, just, you know, you'll say yes and then not show up. Uh, Christine also has a dog, we think, Rosie, who I do, I do. who was a COVID dog. And then we were concerned for the well-being of this dog because we know what happens with Christine and animals when she gets sick of them, i.e. Carousel the Pony, who, of course, went to the big old golden carousel in the sky when Christine had her killed as a child. Just horrible and shockingly, shockingly callous. But we think Rosie is still with us. Fingers crossed. All dogs do go to heaven. Um, So, Dan, what is driving this desire on your part? And are you close? Like, is this something that you're planning on doing? Can you just, like, go out this weekend and get one? What's your process like? And how much say does the girlfriend have in this? So she has been driving it for a while now. Oh, there you go. Say no more. Yes. Basically, since we met. Two years ago now, she's been talking about wanting to get a dog. Um, so we moved into a new building in, in New York in Westchester County. Um, and so it's a co-op building. So a lot has to go through those boards oh. to get approved. 
So it's taken a while. So we sent the email out and got the approval. Well, we got a like a waiver you have to sign. It's like a hundred dollars a year or something like that. And then you have to get like general public insurance up to like a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. That's in our thing. So, and then they said it is. It can't be over full grown. It can't be over twenty five pound dog. And we want to get a large dog. How large? So we're going for like we're thinking. Golden Retriever. Okay. So within the 80 pound, yeah, 90 pound. Pretty range. big dog. Yeah. So we're close. So we got the approval. We just signed it. And then so we are looking right now. Um, we want to do a rescue, we think. Um, so it might be like kind of a mix. Okay. So not purebred golden. Yeah. So we're thinking like kind of a mix or German Shepherd. I like. I had one growing up. Um, I always had labs growing up. I love those. So clearly you're okay with shedding. Yes. I'm okay with it. We're okay with it. The, that I needed a good vacuum. So if Cookie could help me uh, out with that. Ah, that's why we yeah. were talking vacuums earlier. And exactly. Why you were, okay, there's, this all makes sense. So we're pretty close. So we, we contacted um, a few places around us that have a few dogs we're going to take a look at. I think this weekend we're going to go and meet some Whoa. pups. Whoa. What time? I could be there. <laughs> Keep her away from I would from need this. to drink if she was coming. Yeah, you probably <laughs> – you would both spiral together. So just so you're aware, just to warn you – if you're going to go meet some puppies, it's over. Yeah, I know. This is not like a debate anymore. It's happening. You're going to fall in love with one of these at least. And that is now going to be a situation where it's not like should we or shouldn't we. You will be a dog parent very, very soon. And so just be prepared. Now, it seems like there were some hurdles to jump over, as you were saying, with this co-op. Co-op boards are infamous for being filled with sort of officious, fussy people who like having power, and like the pettier the better. So are you at all concerned about that? Because it seems like a golden retriever in the 80-pound range is maybe not really what this co-op has in mind for you guys. Well, we actually have an inside track on someone on the board that we met. Kind of not was, a well, was not, there money exchange? <laughs> no, no, nothing like that. But someone we met in the neighborhood, and they're like, "Oh, we're on the we're on the board of of your building because it's a it's a few buildings around the same area that have the same board." And she's like, "Oh, well, maybe um, here's the process of how this works, and blah blah blah, and all this. So maybe that might have helped a little bit in our process." So yeah. All right, I think that we might have some really interesting puppy related content. Yes. very soon here on the show. So we've got that content coming up maybe as soon as next week. Quiet Wyatt, who has been gallivanting in Europe for the last week, probably dying a little bit inside with all this DC drama. He lives for this. Like we were talking to Kat, how she like would hold her vape pen at night, clutching it at her fingers. Wyatt has the Wall Street Journal. Probably like as his bedspread. I would imagine he is dying, missing all this, but he's having an amazing time seeing new parts of the world over across the pond. Christine is going to have to do a very lengthy, curious Christine with Wyatt in French. Let's we have an we have an English speaking audience, Christine. And so you did take French, didn't you? Je m'appelle Cookie. Okay, that's (laughs) I know that much. Can you do Can you go any beyond that or is that really about it? Okay. <laughs> okay. Wow. He, he just showed you up. I mean, shocker, right? Not really. 
Yes. Uh, I can do what it, the French accent. Also not very good. Oh, my God. It's kind of like Pepe Le Pew, isn't it? Yeah, but worse. That's what that was. So we've got two non-French speakers just a tiny bit over there. I've got some Spanish. Not sure about Wyatt, but some interview will occur next week in English on this show about Wyatt's trip. And then maybe if the dog subplot moves forward this weekend, we can get into that. And I'm sure Christine will be a font of advice and counsel on these matters. And I urge you to ignore all of it, given what has happened in her past. RIP, as I look, as I cast my eyes to the sky in honor of the fallen carousel. Christine, I would let you respond, but we're out of time. I'm so sorry. It's the Guy Benson Show. It's the weekend. Big show Saturday and Sunday, 5 p.m. Eastern time on Fox News Channel. Right back here on Monday for this program. Bonus Benson on the podcast, GuyBensonShow.com. You know all the things. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.